0: The guy who
1: always gets you to the ball game on time. And here's the pitch. It's Matt Wyatt with all the good stuff you need to know. Hey. What up? Welcome into the show on this Monday, Monday Monday. Da, da. Everybody sing. Da-da-da. Welcome in. On this Reaction Monday, what are we reacting to? I'll tell you this. If you're some people, you are overreacting to one weekend of NFL preseason football. That's all it is. It's preseason number one, and number two is one game. <laughs> and they're not even... like Anyway, stop the overreaction. With that said, about people who overreact to one preseason game, I don't approve of that. I would like to say that after this weekend of NFL preseason games, I can accurately predict who's going to win each division. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) And I just might do that for you coming up. Welcome in here to the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents. How is Bieber doing? Hey, V. Hey, Matt Wyatt. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm good.
0: I'm good. I'm just... I would like to support the getting rid of the old analog-style clocks that hang on the wall. (laughs) The ones that go tick,
1: tick, (laughs) tick. Tell the people why, Beaver.
0: Well, usually, you know, you check in make sure everything's connected. Mm-hmm. And we do that, what, Chuck Oliver ends at about five till. Yeah. So about a minute later, check in. 30 seconds later, whatever. Well, I'm back in the production room doing some stuff, and the clock on the wall tells me it is 11:49. <laughs> I'm like, alright, cool. I got about seven minutes until I really need to get in there and check in. I walk out and our big monitor on the wall out here, which is official, yeah, says, oh, just kidding. It's 11.58. <laughs> you have nine minutes less than that clock told
1: you. The show starts in less than two minutes in reality. Yeah. Well, hey, look, the good news is you made it regardless. Now, you did come blowing into the studio like on two wheels and up on your side there and scrawling tires. Uh, but, you know, if you get here in time, you're here in time. Uh, so I commend you for that. Let me, so the clock was wrong. Um, Beaver, let me guess. The dog ate your ha- homework also.
0: <laughs> Something like that.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: All the dogs need to eat feed all those clocks to your dogs. Then. <laughs> no, that would be bad. Why, why would that. I say such a Don't thing? Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. That was dumb. <laughs> but anyway, okay. yeah. Let, we Bieber, need, we've, we've all said dumb things before. Yeah. And it's been, it's been affecting me in the other room, too, because, okay, you know, Monday mornings, over on our news talk, I run these these shows, this financial. It's a, there's an old man in there, and <laughs> old men love old clocks.
1: Okay. Yeah, they and do. And
0: it broke recently. That one broke, and I'm glad it broke. Mm-hmm. glad it's gone. He has been pining for that clock. Ever since it went away, he's like, I, I don't know. Like, he'll look at me in the middle of a show and just, like, on air, he'll just go, what are we looking at as far as time, Beav? <laughs> I'm like, dude, I hold up the numbers for you. <laughs> I hold up. you. Okay, you've seen when you're in here, I give a two-minute warning, one-minute warning. I'll count you down 30 seconds. Right. All that. So you don't need that old clock, Oldman, but, you, you still know, need it. he's accustomed to it.
1: <laughs> well, uh, Oldman, that's funny. You know, Beaver, in the day of the uh, smartphone, who needs a watch or a clock? Quite honestly, I can—I honestly cannot remember how many. When's the last time I put a watch on my wrist? But it had to be sometime around the time I started carrying a smartphone that constantly tells me what time it is. I don't wear a watch; don't need it. And then, or maybe I do. Maybe some people would argue that I do need a watch. I just use my phone. I got a drawer full of watches in there. <laughs> I'm going to put them suckers on eBay or something, you know, and get my air conditioner fixed. <laughs> Welcome to my world. But hey, but speaking of clocks, Beaver, uh, I just would like to announce that something that, that has been said here on the um, live stream, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, hey to y'all, feel free to type in a comment, hit submit, it pops up right here, and I can put it on the screen. Kobe mentioning this. Congratulations! You've made it. Two weeks until college football.
0: Yeah, we're coming. yeah we're
1: coming to your city.
0: Matt! I hate that song more than old Claw. Well,
1: and look, I only put I only put like four seconds of it on the uh, soundboard here, so that all you have to listen to is him go sitay. Sitay. <laughs> sitay. Uh, Here's the old classic uh, drum drum line from the old classic ESPN intro to college football. That's a little better. Hey, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. You hear that right there. If you're my age, you think of Ron Franklin and uh, Mike Gottfried on the uh, primetime game on ESPN on Saturday night. A lot of people forget that back in the day, uh, in the 90s, when they started the uh, Thursday night games, the ESPN Thursday night games, the the television crew was Mike Tirico, Kirk Herbstreit, and Lee Corso. Got to meet those guys all those years ago. All right, yeah, so you're two weeks. You're two weeks. There's your countdown. You're a couple of weeks away from watching live college games that count. Um, And... So there, there's lots of storylines, obviously, going into it. And you're coming out of a weekend where most schools out there, part of their fall camp, had some scrimmages or whatever. And, you know, I think that now it's it's not my job to, you know, set everything on level and pour water on excitement. I, that's not what I'm doing. And it's not my job to, to worry about that. I'll just kind of tell you what I think on this. But I think the first fall scrimmage for a football team in college is a lot like that first preseason game in the NFL, that there's a big reaction to it. Because everybody's so hungry for football. Uh, Like the NFL, you're so hungry to see it, you'll watch one preseason game, and everybody's like, Will Levis is going to completely stink. You know, boy, he's terrible. Look at, And he, he did throw an interception at the end of the game, and neither he nor the other quarterback for the Titans looked that great. But the Titans' offensive line gave up eight sacks in one preseason game. I mean, Nobody would look good, okay? So there's a little bit of an overreaction, but there was, the hype was overblown on really both of those backup quarterbacks in in Tennessee anyway. The hype was overblown trying to make them into first-rounders, and anybody that watched them could see, you know, pretty good, got a chance, but they're not first-round picks by any stretch. So that, and so if you look at the college game, you'll get reports coming out of a first scrimmage, and it could be, you know stats for a particular player or you know you hear about one guy that showed out on one side of the ball or you hear about somebody that turned it over and you know it's a preseason scrimmage man i mean it's it's just, it's like full speed tackling practice but it's basically practice so i wouldn't i would say you know it's not overreact to any information coming out of scrimmages cuz it's not like you and i watched it anyway and you're playing against your teammates they know your plays and you know theirs so things are so much different in scrimmages than they are uh, and the actual ball games, too. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. With all that said, here we are on a Monday, a couple of weeks away from real live college football, three weeks away from our team's playing, and uh, you've watched one round of NFL preseason games. So, I do think I have a pretty good idea that if they stay healthy, there's some teams that are going to have a kind of the upper hand in their divisions, And one of those that I think is going to have a huge upper hand in their division is going to make a whole lot of people happy, if it comes true, around here. Okay, so I'll just leave it at that. Before I go much further, feel free to text the show. I hope you will. That's a one way to be a part of the show. Text me on the country, please, and text line. It's an easy number to remember. 885-3776. Got it? So you want to text the show, do that, 885-3776. 7 another way to remember it, 885-ESPN. Or call me on the Divinity phone. It's wide open to you. The Divinity Equipment phone line. Call the number 995-1059. That's a 601 number also, 995-1059. So call that number. You talk to Beaver, and then you get to talk to me, and everybody else gets to hear you too. So uh, get on in here. Anything you want to go uh, today is cool with me. Yeah, it's kind of Reaction Monday, but not quite like it's going to be in a month. A month from now, we are really going to have some Reaction Mondays, and it's going to be a, a lot of fun, as it always is. So let me get to some of the comments here on the live stream. First and foremost, Kobe was the first to comment today on YouTube, and he said, do you think Will Rogers will break the SEC passing record? Well, yeah, I do. You know, and I, I think he's got an excellent chance to break it this year. And look, let's take a look at it. I think if you look at now, maybe y'all, y'all are smarter than me. Okay, I'll admit that. And maybe there's different types of lists. You know, if you look at, I don't know, career passing in the regular season, or you know, in just SEC games, or you know, whatever, minus a an extra year. But at this point, he hasn't had an extra year, right? So he's going into his see twenty. One, two, three. So he actually is going into his fifth. Let's see, 20, which was the COVID year. One, two. No, no, he's going into his fourth. Fourth year in school. So he's right there with these other guys who played four years of college. Not many of them do. But the SEC passing, career passing yardage leader is Aaron Murray from Georgia. And Murray, in four seasons, passed for over 13,000 yards. So 13,166 yards for Aaron Murray, the most passing yards. And if I do the math right, Will Rogers is sitting there right now at eighth on the all-time list in the SEC with 10,689. Last season, he would have made a huge jump. He passed all kinds of people like Shane Matthews and Prescott and Eli Manning and Jared Lorenzen of uh, Kentucky, he he passed all those guys last year, jumped into the top ten. Will is going into this season at number eight on the all-time passing list in the SEC, 10,689 yards and eighth, and in first is 13,166. So I did the math. Do you all know how I did the math? On my handy dandy iPhone 12 Pro Max from CSpire, Mississippi's number one network, CSpire, customer inspired. It has a handy dandy cal- calculator on there, and according to this, according to this, Will Rogers trails first place in the SEC all-time passing list by 2,477 yards. Did we do the math right? So. 2477. Let me let me double check it. 13,166 yards for Aaron Murray, he's in first. 10,689 for Will Rogers, he's in eighth. That's right. So if Will Rogers this year gets to at least 2,478 yards passing, then he passes Aaron Murray this year. And so I believe if he stays health, healthy, I, I think that's all it requires is for Will Rogers to be healthy and stay healthy. And then if he does, then yes, through four years, the same number of years that Aaron Murray will have done it at Georgia. Uh, obviously, different systems, but Will Rogers will pass him in passing yardage. And then it'll be a matter of, you know, does he add on to it? When does he do it? When does he hit that mark? When and if, if he's healthy. Uh, some of the people that he's going to pass this year. Okay, he is less than 200 yards behind Danny Werfel, who's in seventh place on the all-time passing list in the SEC. He is... He is... Well, I can't do the math right off the top of my head. He is about 500 yards shy of Eric Zier... And about 650 yards shy of Peyton Matting, which shows you like he's climbing up the list. Dude's completed a bunch of passes for a lot of yards in his career, obviously in that air raid system previously under Mike Leach. So, Kobe, to answer your question, yeah, I think he'll break it this year. As long as he's got to do, stay up right. Uh, Sven said the same thing in response. He said if he doesn't get injured, you can book it, that he's going to, you know, break that record. And then what do y'all think about this? Sven commented on the live stream, and he said he, meaning Will Rogers, is light years the best passing quarterback in the SEC and top three in the NCAA. What do you think about that? Huh? What do you think of that? I'd love to know your your thoughts. Uh, Ricky commented on Facebook. What's up, Ricky? He's watching on Facebook, and he says, uh, Hail State from Lawrenceville, Georgia. We got a lot of folks from Georgia who tune into the live stream, so hey to y'all. Really do appreciate that. All right, uh, now text. I got behind. I had to restart the the feed over here. I finally got it rebooted for the country pleasing text line, and it's uh, 885-3776. Jake from Yazoo, Texas, show and said, "Coming in hot, boys. Who that? First drive for Saints looked pretty good. Happy Monday. Well." Listen to me, Jake. If you are a Hoodat fan, listen to me. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. On, I'm a hypocrite because on one hand, I go off on people for overreacting to some things in the NFL preseason, but I'm about to go ahead and tell you I've seen enough to know the Saints are going to win the NFC South division this year. I think all that is required is keeping really, certainly, Derek Carr healthy. But even so, I mean, maybe even more importantly, you know, Cam Jordan, Kamara, Thomas, you keep those guys. But you throw Carr in the mix. Listen, they're going to win the division. The Saints are going to be fun to watch this year. Watch and see what happens. Uh, Rez Dog Texas show. He said the clock on the wall has been stuck at three for days and days. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Jason, uh, he did. Uh, Beaver did say Oldman. He doesn't say old man. He just calls him Oldman. It's a little bit less offensive that way. <laughs> uh, One hundred grand says Matt uh, Beaver always. Hey Matt, I know it's just uh, per season, but them Saints look good. Uh, preseason, he means uh, Saints look good. This is the main thing I looked, I took from yesterday. We're deep at quarterback. And then he says the saints are going to be good now. So 100 grand, we're thinking on the same page because this is before. This is before I read your text. That was just reading it blind, as you can see, because I misread it. In fact, I hadn't previewed it, and sure enough, I, we agree. It appears, and I know it's one preseason game, but when you look at others, listen. You know, Bryce Young may be great when it's all said and done, but he's not going to have a very good football team in front of him. Uh, certainly in front of him. I mean, they could not pass block. They could not pass block. Couldn't do it. That big all-star tackle they drafted out of NC State, who was really, he couldn't block whoever it was the Jets had out there. They, so they're not winning the division this year. Tampa's not winning the division this year. Atlanta, eh, happening. Saints, I think mean, buy your tickets. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a given. Uh, as far as the others, Okay, here's what I think is going to happen this year. (laughs) One preseason weekend. But listen, here's what I think is going to happen this year. You ready? AFC. Here we go. AFC East, it'll be Buffalo. No surprise there. AFC North, it'll be Bengals. No real surprise there. But I think the surprise would be, I think the Browns may challenge them a little bit. Like, you know, chase them a little bit. But the Bengals are going to win that division. The AFC South. It's going to be the Jaguars. I think Jacksonville is going to actually be pretty doggone good. And again, it's a weak division, but so the Jags are going to win their division. And AFC West, I do think the Chiefs are going to run away with it. You know, Chargers have been creeping up, but I think they're going to the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Now you mess around and not sign Chris Jones and don't have him on your team, and it changes it because defense does win championships. And then in the NFC, I've already told you. The Saints are going to win the NFC South division this year. You got all kinds of other stuff that comes into play. You know, wild card, all that stuff, too, sure. Uh, NFC East, excuse me. I actually do think that the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East this year. It's the kind of thing they would do. Little run for the Eagles. What happens? Dallas gets her butts in gear, wins the division, loses in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> that's what the NFC North. Think about that now. you got Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, and Detroit. You know who's going to win that division? Remember, I told you this. As crazy as it sounds, okay, on August the 14th, the Detroit Lions are going to win that division. They're going to have a good football team. And, again, all that stuff, you know, NFL, especially quarterback stuff, it depends on keeping guys upright. NFC West, I also think it's 49ers. You know, Certainly not Arizona. But I think, that's, I think there you go. There's your division winners. I, I'm, I feel confident about it. <laughs> Don't ask me how. What do you call it? Uh, eye test or something like that? So in the NFC, division winners, 49ers, Saints, Lions, and Cowboys. Oh, my. And in the AFC, it's Bills, Bengals, Jaguars, and Chiefs. And then figure out the wild card stuff from there. Made my predictions. Yeah, there it is. Divisional winners. Four teams in each division. So much better format. Love it. Uh, Rebel Rex uh, texts the show, and he says, Keith Jackson was the voice you always wanted to hear on Saturday, almost as deep as old Crystal from State. You can wrap this up in maroon and white. Wrap this one in maroon and white. Signed, Rebel Rex. Yeah, iconic voices. I you know it's a tough question to answer if you say who are going to be this generation's iconic voices? Because it's changed so much, hasn't it, Rex? So many more games are televised, streamed, audio, video. It's really changed. And you know, this generation, when they grow up, they are not gonna have a Keith Jackson. They're just not and the closest thing you can get is the hometown broadcast for your school, like a, a Neil Price at State, if he does it for years and years, a David Kellum at Ole Miss, because it'll become sort of synonymous. But the TV thing, we're not going to have any more Keith Jacksons the way that it is. And frankly, none of them are that good, and appear to me, none of them really want to be. All right, just getting started. Lots of comments and texts to get to. Stick around. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau. Look at that helmet, y'all. If you're on the live stream, look at that helmet. That's that classic throwback, interlocking MSU. That's the helmet I wore during the 1999 season right there on my desk. Yep, that's it. I can barely get it on my head now. And then when I do get it on, I can just about can't get it off. And used to it would just slip right on, slip right on. Everything has expanded. Everything on me. (laughs) Including ego. All right. Back with you here in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Let's go. What do you got for me? What do you got for me? Let's see. Listen to what Sven's, oh, funny one here, by the way, from Will. Will on the uh, YouTube live stream says, Will Jameis buy crab legs for the team if they win the division? (laughs) Ah, Will, the jokes never end. (laughs) He can't live that one down. Sven said Coach Kevin Barbe is the number one offensive coordinator in all of the NCAA in passing efficiency over the past 15 years. Top 10 in explosive plays, top 25 in passing yards. Will Rogers will cook this year, he says. How about that comment? We're high on him. Yeah, I picked the Cowboys to win the division for pretty much the same reason. Uh, Will. I mean, it's just, it's turnabout, right? The Eagles won the NFC East last year, Will says. So it's a Cowboys' turn this year. It's been 20-plus years since the NFC East had back-to-back division champs. Hmm, there you go. Rob on Facebook's been a Chiefs fan for 50 years. Says, go KC. Yeah, they got it going. Man, they, I could, were you surprised that they started Patrick Mahomes in the preseason game? I mean, we, meanwhile, guys like Dak and Aaron Rodgers wouldn't sniff a preseason snap. Mahomes starts the game, completes two passes, scrambles, and just before he gets de he slides in front of a linebacker. Andy Reid's like, get out of there. Come on. Come on over here. That's enough. Told you not to run. It's just, I'm telling you, Andy Reid is a genius. And part of that genius is he does things at times you go, what's he doing? What is he doing? (laughs) But you can't argue with the success in a couple different places in the Super Bowls now, I don't guess. I mean, can't argue with it. All right, back over to the text line, the country-pleasing text line. Let's pick it up where we left off. Nick, Texas show. Matt, it's harder than two rats fighting in a wool sock out here. Fall and football can't get here soon enough. Yeah, I know, Nick, man. And it's So you had at the end of last week, I don't know if you know this, Nick, but throughout the state of Mississippi you had a lot of high school teams that were measuring their at-practice temperature inside that wet bulb, you know, that supposedly gives you the accurate temperature inside of a helmet and inside football pads, and it reaches a certain point where – Lots of football teams did not get to practice on Friday, like you know they were forced to go inside by the training staffs and stuff. Uh, And I think uh, today, I know you've got a lot of high schools around the state today that instead of practicing at their normal time in the afternoon, are going to wait and practice at night. But I I I have not looked at your forecast for like all of the state, like on the coast and and places way south. But I, I know that like where I live in North Mississippi. Today, really hot, like a high of 98, dangerous heat, all that stuff. And then overnight, some little front comes through here, brings some showers and rain overnight, possibly. And then starting tomorrow for the rest of the week, it's like cold snap. It's like a high of 83 and low in the 60s, no joke, for the rest of the week. And I told you, that's been happening the last few years. Out of nowhere, every year, we will have that happen in August. A little cool spell will come swooping through here at some point in August, give you a break from the heat, and you just want to stand out in your yard and go, "Hallelujah!" <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And please let it stay like this, and you know it ain't. That first ball game in September, you're going to roast. But let me tell you, tomorrow and Wednesday, it's going to be nice around here. Billy Texas showing says, "Hey, I've got a question totally off subject. You talk a lot about Dancing Rabbit Golf Course. They're a good campground. I can pull my fifth wheel to around that area. Now, Billy, I think you may be referencing uh, Bo Bounds in the morning on 105.9 The Zone. He does talk a lot about Dancing Rabbit. Um, As far as what I can tell you about it, uh, one, all I know is I love the two golf courses, both of them. Love it. Love the course, the whole facility. It's great. Campgrounds, I don't have the slightest idea. So I'm, I apologize for not being able to, to help you with that information. Beerslayer, Texas shows says Matt, with Coach Barbe saying that most of the snaps are going to be from the gun, does this make it easier than under center? Uh, Beerslayer, let me say this. Depending on what you're doing, okay. Reading things, reading coverage, watching defenders, reading certain things is, in my opinion, much easier in the shotgun. And even 100 years ago when I was playing, we did both. We were, I I wouldn't say throughout my career 50 50. Early on, it was mostly under center. But as I got older, like by the time I was a senior, 99 that year, we spent a lot of time in the shotgun. And in my experience, very much easier. I was one of those lucky kids in the 90s that got to play for one year in high school in an offense that was a shotgun throw at offense. It's kind of why I was able to be recruited some to play college football. And uh, even then, like, yeah, okay, so the, it's just easier in the gun. You're farther away. You can communicate a little better sometimes. Uh, like you say, the turning your back on the defense is a different deal depending on what you're doing and how you're reading it. However, what I think has happened, Beer Slayer, is that people are, are looking at the gap of as, as much easier in the shotgun and way down here, much harder in the under center. No, I mean, it's a, one's easier than the other, but it's not like one's a 10 and one's a 1. Do you get what I'm saying? Because still it's all happening just like this. People go, turning your back on the defense. Well, for how long? What, a second? You know, depending on the play. So it's not as drastic of a difference as some people are making it out to be. And you know how stuff blooms like that out there in Internet land. And and I will say this, too, Beer Slayer. Here's the deal. Good players are good whether they're under center or in the shotgun. (laughs) Bad players... (laughs) <laughs> can be bad whether they're under center or in the shotgun. Okay. That's another thing to, to keep in mind. So you say, okay, I think every quarterback would prefer the gun, especially when you're reading stuff in drop back or even the sl- slight pl- play action where I can play action with my eyes up. But even if I, I'm under center, hut, hut, I turn, I seat the ball in my belly to hide it from the defense, which is an advantage. You can't do that in the shotgun as much. That's why a lot of teams in the shotgun use the pistol. Like who? Kevin Barbet. Go watch Barbe's offense at App State. Now, and again, here's one before I chase that rabbit. Let me let me stop. They were in the pistol formation a bunch. Shotgun, but the back still behind the QB. And he'd catch the ball and turn and you'd have some sort of play fake there, but it gives you the ability to hide the football from the defense. Whereas if everything's in front of you, it's harder to kind of, you know, if you don't have a good mesh or if you're not good at reading that. So there. And the thing that is hard about Barbet as far as going, okay, let's study his offense and see what it's going to look at state. Well, he's one of these coaches where at times it looks different and it's called different and it's run different. They have different tendencies wherever he's been. Because it's totally based on who he's coaching. So, you know, you may watch Central Michigan a couple of years ago, but go, man, their players are nothing like State's players. Well, then I got news for you. The offenses may not look anything alike. Because he's coaching based on what he has. Does any of that make any sense at all? Dog tired in Florence. See, that's what I do. I get a really good question from, like, from Beer Slayer, and then I just stay on it. And I get way behind. (laughs) That's good, though. Uh, Dog Tired in Florence, Texas show. Matt, isn't Will Rogers eligible for yet another year? If so, would his SEC records require an asterisk? 10 to 12 more games played, could significantly pad his stats. Those stats would become almost impossible to break for any true four seasons played by a quarterback. Well, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But like I told you, as far as breaking the record, if Will Rogers stays healthy this year he needs 2,400 yards and change to break the record he's going to break it he's going to break it this year barring something crazy like an injury and missing a bunch of games so the other thing is you know um, some of those guys that are on that list I'd have to go back and look and see but some of those guys might have been playoff guys too I don't know that most of them, though, were the four-year guys. We've, we've started having fewer of those like at Georgia and Alabama. So it is what it is. It's just a stat. There's all kinds of asterisks on that list. That's just the truth. Y'all stick around right back after this. The Mississippi way So get in on a conversation and tell him what you think. All right, back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team, they are your home team, Farm Bureau Insurance, your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents. Uh, I had a question Earlier, and it was it was regarding Will Rogers, and would he be breaking the SEC all-time passing yardage record this year? He will need um, twenty-four hundred and seventy-eight yards, two thousand four hundred seventy-eight yards, to break the record. And get in first place. And a good chance he does it, right? And then it's a matter of, like, staying healthy and and all that. And then somebody now has asked the question. Gene commented on Facebook, and he said, who owns the college record for the most passing yards? So, according to the old Internet here, Case Keenum, Houston, Remember, he was a quarterback at Houston, and and he was there five years. Played for four, I think. And uh, it was the, it was the Kevin Sumlin, and ah, uh, uh, who's the guy? Why well, why can't I think of his name? The guy who was uh, Mike Leach's quarterback at Texas Tech. He became the head coach at Texas Tech. Kingsbury, all right, Cliff Kingsbury. So Case Keenum. Was the QB at Houston when Kevin Sumlin and Cliff Kingsbury were the offensive coaches there? Prior to Sumlin going to A and M, prior to Kingsbury going back to Texas Tech, and they were just lighting people up all over the place. So Case Keenum is the career leader in the NCAA with nineteen thousand two hundred and seventeen yards. Okay, so Will is not catching that because he's a little over ten thousand right now, and. uh, would have maximum this year, next year, if he were to use it. Now I say he's not catching it. I mean, he'd have to go for he'd have to go for forty five hundred yards average over the next two years to get it, and that would be with a five year career. Um, so, Case Keenum, number one in the NCA, over nineteen thousand. Timmy Chang from Hawaii's number two with over seventeen. Uh, Landry Jones of Oklahoma's number three with over sixteen thousand. At number four is Graham Harrell from Texas Tech, played for Coach Leach. And number five is Ty Detmer. Uh, Now, number six on the all-time passing yardage list in the NCAA might actually surprise you. Kellen Moore, Boise State, over 14,000 yards. All right, the single season, the most yards in a single season passing in NCAA history happened two years ago at Western Kentucky. Bailey Zappa had 5,967 yards in that one year. And how about this? The single-game passing yardage leader, the most yards in a game all time in NCAA history passing, Connor Halliday, with 734 passing yards for Washington State, and Mike Leach back in 2014, and that is tied with Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech, who in 2016 had a game where he threw for 734. I wonder if they could go back and look at the tape and find him one more yard, huh? (laughs) Maybe they do that. So there you go. Good question, Uh, Gene. Appreciate you asking that. Debbie commented on Facebook said, happy hot Monday. I know. It is brutal out there. North Mississippi has a high of 98 today. Rebel Rex, I agree. Look, he texts and he said, poor Bryce Young is gonna end up just like Matt Corral. He's gonna have a torn knee, ankle, or something. Carolina needs an offensive line before they even start to find a quarterback. Um, draw play is a four yard loss for them, is how they look terrible. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He's gonna get hurt. They got they got a long way to go. Long way to go. But, you know, they'll figure it out. So you look back, um, just a couple of examples, and I know these are all timers, but they are examples. You know, Troy Aikman went to Dallas and they were awful. He had like his first year, second year, they were terrible. Uh, Peyton Manning went to Indianapolis and was terrible. Like the first year Peyton Manning threw uh, like more he threw so many interceptions, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and I did say ridiculous, but let me tell you. He ever more figured it out, didn't he? Built a team around him. like So there you go. he would be all right. They just got to build a team around him. All right. Real Unnamed texture says the cool temperatures we're going to get later in the week are called fake fall. I, I'd agree with that. That's what it is. Fake fall. It's going to fool you. It's going to fool you. Mitchell, Texas, shows his random question, but where did Caleb Ducking end up transferring to? Can't find it anywhere. I don't think he transferred anywhere because he was out of eligibility. They just had no more years left. Um, Okay, Gino says um, that to, to the earlier texter about dancing rabbit campgrounds, says it's something called Frog Level Campground. It's on the corner of Highway 15 and Highway 16 in Philadelphia. So there is one there close to the golf course, according to Gino. Thanks for the text. Thank you a lot. Uh, And Nick said that the closest campground, the Dancing Rabbit, is Frog Level. It's an RV park, intersection of 15 and 16 in Philadelphia. It's by Lowe's. So he gave you that suggestion. Now, Jason out in Flagstaff, Arizona, says that he doesn't listen to the TV broadcast anymore. Here's what he said. I quit several years ago when they kept ignoring the game in front of them so they could talk about playoff scenarios in September. Have been syncing up radio broadcasts with television ever since. I'm right there with you, Jason. If I'm not careful, I'll go on a big, bad rant. And I guess the thing is everybody agrees, and it's like they don't care if we agree. <laughs> they just don't care. Um, Jason went on to say, I'm not worried about Will Rogers at all. If the offensive line aren't stepping all over each other, and will while transitioning out of those wide splits, then he'll be fine. Probably better with a less predictable offense. I think so too. And a, and a few more open throws down the field than what he's had. You know, less of, you know, the shorter stuff. Yeah, Jason, listen. The television broadcast. That's the thing about it. Okay, we go back to it. Uh, Rebel Rex brought up. You know, Keith Jackson used to hear his voice. I brought up Ron Franklin on Saturday nights. You know, so 80s, 90s, earliest part of the 2000s. You're talking about an era when there weren't as many games televised, at least on big proper networks like the the uh, CBSs and the ABCs and the ESPNs. You had a few more, you know, regional things, but there just weren't as many people doing TV games because there weren't as many to do, okay? So the ones that had them, were really good and really established and usually a little older. They were very comfortable in their own skin. Keith Jackson, Franklin, okay? You look at the NFL, Al Michaels, those guys. They were really good. They knew it. They were really comfortable in their own skin. They knew it. And so in the broadcast, they they weren't trying as hard to be a character. They weren't. Keith Jackson never appeared anyway to seem as though he was there to tell you about himself. He never, Ron Franklin, when he called a game, never made it seem as though he really wanted to be a star. <laughs> they, these guys just came in there and smooth called the game. It was the game, you got the game, and it was all about the game. And that game going on in front of them. And it was smooth and it was connected and cohesive. From the, from the pregame until they said goodnight. And, man, now, when you watch a, a college broadcast, first of all, it's one of a million that are broadcast. So you have so many more games, you have so many more people doing it, which means the pool is just more diluted. That's just the way, that's just simple math, right? Well, so what do you have? You have less people calling games now on television that are truly comfortable in their own skin. They all are feeling like they must wedge in there to be known somehow, and I really want to be a star as the broadcaster of this game, so I really need you to hear me. I don't need you to hear the game or see the game. I really need you to hear me. Me, 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 me. Go look up Brian Regan, one of my favorite comedians, and look up his routine about the me monster. That's what so many of our broadcasters and, frankly, producers are about now in television. And so if you are our age, Jason, it will not really appeal to you. There's a whole lot more muting going on and rolling of eyes because that's just the scenario that you have nowadays. You don't have a Keith Jackson anymore. I don't know that you'll ever have one. When when Keith Jackson was calling a game, he knew he was the man. He could say as few words he wanted to, knew it would be good. Wasn't insecure at all. And so what you get nowadays on television, all these TV broadcasts, is like major insecurity, and it bleeds over into the content. And they really do believe that you, Jason, the football fan, are interested in a playoff scenario in September. You're not. And you could scream it to them with a megaphone, and they wouldn't believe you. They know what you want more than you know, according to them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and put Vern Lundquist in there, too. Classic. Hour one in the books. That was fun. Hour two coming up. It'll be fun, too, so stick around.